Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together and we have some great people helping us along the way. Many conversations we discuss on the show holds incredible importance and relevance to our lives. But talk of drugs and alcohol abuse, certainly when we hear stories of addiction and overdose often can grip many parents and educators and leave us fearful even when we're staring in the eyes of our two-year-olds and our three-year-olds and our six-year-olds. Some have seen fallout from drugs and alcohol abuse firsthand. Others see how it's played out in the movies from Sandra Bullock and 28 Days to Meg Ryan and When a Man Loves a Woman, Leonardo DiCaprio and Basketball Diaries to the newly released Ben is Back with Julia Roberts. So how do we start these vital conversations with our kids about drugs and alcohol so that they can have the information they need to make safe and informed choices in real life situations? Do we really need to start these conversations early? And how often do we need to talk about it? How can the drugs and alcohol conversations collide head on with the sex conversation? And finally, how can dads get uniquely involved in this conversation? I'm going to speak with Jeremy Schneider today, and together we'll give you the information you need to start to talk to kids about drugs and alcohol. Jeremy Schneider is a marriage and family therapist and speaker whose career spans more than 15 years of working with individuals and families, focusing on parenting, relationships, and mental health. He's the author of Fatherhood in 40 Minutes Snapshots, a book that reveals how to love for oneself, his children, and family can flourish over time. Jeremy has been featured in the New York Times, Today, and CNN. He lives and works in New York City with his wife, Jem, and his son and daughter, Lucas and Dorit. Welcome, Jeremy Schneider to how to talk to kids about anything. Thank you so much, Dr. Evan. I'm excited to talk to you. So before we get into the bulk of the interview, can you tell us first what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in making sure we talk to kids about drugs and alcohol? Well, I didn't have anybody to talk to when I was growing up and it was really challenging. And I think one of the things that I really try to focus on is I want my kids to be able to ask questions. I want them to be able to to talk to me about these important issues because they shouldn't have to face it on their own. And I think that's something that we all parents can agree with. We don't want our kids to fumble around in the dark trying to figure out how to deal with these major life issues by themselves. And so that's kind of what keeps me going, is trying to keep this conversation open and ongoing with them to make sure that I can answer their questions and let them know how I feel about it and hope that it ends up in the way that we want. 
So drugs and alcohol don't typically play into a child's world, except when they're exposed to addiction early on, until later in elementary school or middle school. But of course, we can't wait to have these conversations until our kids are in the thick of it. So when do you suggest we start these conversations with our kids? I think there's a a couple ways I like to think about it. One is putting aside the conversation of actual using the words drugs and alcohol. Excuse me, what do we need to do to make sure we're creating that environment for our kids where they feel safe, where they feel it's an open environment to ask questions? And I think that starts in infancy, right? That starts with the way we hold them and the attention we give them and the, whether we're allowing them to ask questions about anything else, right? The more we create this kind of an open environment, I think we're also sending the message that, okay, you can ask questions about this, which means you can also ask questions about other things that are important to you or other things that you're worried about or concerned about. And I think that's really the most powerful way to begin talking about drugs and alcohol. And I think then, you know, it, it comes up in situations where you're reading a book together, where you're watching a TV show together, where something on the news happens. And I don't think it has to be this lecture mm-hmm. of, you know, me standing in front of my kids <laughs> and saying, this is what you can't do. <laughs> you know, that, that, it, it just doesn't work as well. But exactly. what it ends up being is, you know, oh, we see a reference to it on a TV show and we would say, hey, Um, Have you had any, you know, have any of your friends tried drugs yet? Or, you know, do you know how we feel about that or Mm -hmm. why we want you to wait on doing it? And having a conversation about not that there's a a yes or no, but these are our feelings. These are our beliefs about when it's okay and when it's not okay to use drugs and alcohol and what we hope that you will do when you're in those situations. And, of course, as they get older, we start adjusting that to their you know, intellectual and and maturation levels to kind of customize it so that they're prepared as they go versus kind of having those initial conversations with their young and hoping that just lasts for 10 years. Mm, Right. So it sounds like then that when we're talking to our young kids in infancy and toddlerhood, it's very much a training ground for the conversations that are to come so that when we create that warm and safe environment that says, you can ask me anything, we can talk about anything, nothing is off limits, that later on when the stakes are higher, the kids feel that they can come to you and not be fearful or embarrassed or worried about what you're going to say. And the flip side, which is, you know, my wife and I talk about this a lot, is we're constantly checking in with them. Mm. And so it's a lot easier to check in like, Hey, so you were at the party, like, you know, was anybody doing anything? Did you feel uncomfortable at any point? Those questions are a lot easier when you've spent that time building up this sort of open and safe environment. Whereas if we didn't have that, that becomes a much more intrusive, like, Hey, you're trying to invade my privacy or, you know, mm-hmm. that was just my own time. And, you know, we're, we're trying to kind of take that out of, the alcohol and drug conversation, right? We, mm-hmm. we don't, we, there's enough baggage that comes with it already, particularly if they've been in a situation that they're uncomfortable with to come to us is a huge deal. So mm-hmm. the, the more barriers that we can kind of erase, the better groundwork that we can lay 
earlier on, I think makes it easier for both of us, for us to check in with them and for them to come to us when something's going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Valid point, really important. So you mentioned a disconnect between what one study shows out of the University of Michigan that only 10% of parents believe that their teenagers had anything to drink in the last year and only 5% believe their kids have smoked marijuana in the last year. And another study by monitoring the future that shows Actually, 52% of 10th graders admit to drinking in the last year and 28% admit to smoking marijuana. So many parents believe that it's other kids who must be smoking and drinking, but not their kids. And perhaps we're all in denial. So given that many parents might be living in denial, do we speak about drugs and alcohol as something our kids might likely try Or do we speak about it from the perspective that we just don't want our kids to experiment with it at all? I think that's a tough issue because a lot of that is based on a value system Mm -hmm. that they have. Um, I, my perspective was my wife's perspective was we have to assume that they're going to do it and prepare them for that. Mm -hmm. And even if we don't necessarily, like for instance, my wife and I disagree on this slightly. I feel very strongly I don't want them to do it. But frankly, she has helped me to see that, you know, sometimes what I want is not necessarily tied to reality. <laughs> and I can want them to not do this for the rest of my life, but I need to make sure that they're prepared for if that situation arises or really for when that situation arises. I mean, my, my, I have twins, they're 16. Like they've been to parties, you know, they have friend people in their classes showing up to school high like it's wow in 10th Mm -hmm. grade like to me Mm -hmm. that's just i can't even fathom that Mm -hmm. but but that's that's the world they live in Mm -hmm. right so it would be it it just would be such a mistake on my part to pretend that what i want is going to be good enough for them in terms Mm -hmm. of i don't want them to try drugs or alcohol because it implies that somehow that's they're not going to be exposed to it in any way and i Mm -hmm. don't think that's the case so, yes, I think that our parent values are very important, um, but I do sort of feel like, and this is something that my wife and I decided early on, is that we have to prepare them just in case. You know, we, we want them to be ready if someone does offer them drugs, or even if they're at a party and the person that drove them there or is going to drive them home has been drinking, how do they handle that situation? Mm-hmm. What do they do? Is it okay to call us even if it's, you know, one o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. or something like all of those things I think are part of it. It's not just whether or not we want them to use drugs or alcohol or not. It's a matter of how do they handle those situations and what happens when they run into some trouble. And frankly, teenagers, you know, trouble finds them. That's kind Mm -hmm. of what that's the whole purpose of being a teenager in some way. Right. So it's. It's the reality slap of here is here's my values, sweetheart. Like here's what it is laying on the table. And I I really don't want you to do this. It scares me for the following reasons. And, you know, this is how I truly feel. But if you're in a situation where you did try it and now you feel uncomfortable or regretful or you just don't feel like you're able to take care of yourself, that you can call me at any time and we will deal with it right away. 
you know, that you would never get in trouble for, for asking me to pick you up at two in the morning because we always have a high priority of you being safe. So it's just like that reality of being able to, as you say, prepare the children so that they are ready for the situation and know that even if they do go against your values, you have their back. Yes, absolutely. And and also the one point I would just add is like, yes, these are my values and this is the reasons why I don't think you should do it. But if you are going to do it, these are the ways that we'd like you to think about it. Right. You know, whether it's if you're going to be trying drugs, be sure where it comes from. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't be just getting something off the street that could be laced with terrifying things. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. you know, let's think about where you where your friend is getting it and so on and so forth mm-hmm. think about the kind of alcohol don't just drink something from a cup that mm-hmm. somebody handed mm-hmm. you you know it's like those kinds of little things that i don't think we talk enough mm-hmm. about so when it comes yeah. to the issues of drugs and alcohol it's just like so either violent. do them or don't do them mm-hmm. but it's it, it's not that simple of course as with anything in parenting yeah it's really really valid and again you're you're it must be so challenging because you're 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 screaming inside, you know, you're, yeah. okay. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, just I, don't I want your children to do it at all. So you're like, right. can't even believe I need to say this, but yeah. Cause and you it's have an to issue, you know, and I, I think this is an interesting parental issue or marital issue as well. Right. I mean, my wife and I are, are different. I pretty much, I've never tried any drugs. Mm-hmm. I've, I don't really drink much at all and never did during college. And she was much more open to experimenting and trying things and is much more comfortable with it. But, you know, obviously never gets out of hand or does Mm -hmm. anything inappropriate. But just, you know, we just have a different relationship with that. Mm -hmm. And so she's much more understanding of the idea that they will be experimental because that's kind of a more typical behavior. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. and but like I don't want that to happen and Mm -hmm. I don't. I wish it wouldn't, but I also, you know, again, can't afford for them to be unprepared. Yes. And it's really interesting that you, you have that relationship with your, your wife where you, you know, were a person who didn't really experiment and your, your wife did have more of an open relationship with alcohol or whatever. I'm very much in the same boat, you know, where I, I, didn't do that. You know, growing up, it was just yeah. not on my radar. I mean, I went to parties and that kind of thing, but I was just never, never a drinker. I still am not a drinker. Yeah. You know, um, so it's like half a glass of wine and I, I am like exhausted like from that. I can't <laughs> even, it's, it, they all laugh about it, but um, it, it's, it's just the truth of who I am and never tried cigarettes and never tried drugs. It just never yeah, went in that either. direction. So, um, you know, it's it's a, it's an interesting thing to come to a conversation with d- those different perspectives where my husband obviously again you know definitely experienced more of the party scene when he was younger um you know and and had more of that typical childhood where you know went to the parties and people had beer and that kind of thing so the conversations about drugs and alcohol and just like the conversation about sex can be tough for many parents for who just yes want to scream just don't do it and then leave it at that especially though for parents who did experiment with drugs or do they they do drink alcohol now or they did drink a lot of alcohol in their youth or they had sex at young ages they can often feel really awkward or tongue-tied 
kind of like an imposter. It's like the new kind of imposter syndrome where you want to tell your child not to do something that you actually did or you may still do. So for people who are less comfortable than, say, your wife is in this regard, how do we deal with this crucial yet very layered conversation with our kids when you want to convey to them, like, this is not what I want you to do, but at the same time, you did it. So what are your what are your tips around that? I think part of this is a it's a developmentally appropriate uh, discussion as well, mm -hmm. right? When our kids were younger, she never talked about what she did in her mm -hmm. past mm -hmm. because a they don't need to know that, and b it's a you know the brain handles much more black and white easier, right? When you become teenagers, that sort of middle school area, the black and white doesn't work as well anymore, right? There's a, a lot more gray that we need to have these mm -hmm. conversations with our teenagers about. And I think that's really kind of how it came about. And so she, if they asked questions, she answered them. Uh, and I think that she was willing to do that. She didn't come out and say the things that she did. But if they asked questions, she was honest and and then said, you know, either, hey, this was my experience and I was really lucky because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this didn't happen to me and that's why I'm saying this to you or it was, you know, I think I made a mistake mm -hmm. and I'd like you to not have that mistake mm -hmm. or, you know what, I, that, that I was okay, it worked out for me, but still I would prefer if you waited a little bit longer mm -hmm. and just trying to be, to try to navigate that with a genuineness and I think that's, the key mm -hmm. is if our kids can see us being genuine, not perfect, but genuine about, okay, maybe we are being a little contradictory because we did this and we're telling you not, but this is our rationale behind it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's more receptive for teenagers mm -hmm. than knowing that we did something and then saying, hey, but we don't want you to do it because we said so. <laughs> right. Or even worse, finding out a little bit later on that maybe you had done something and we're telling them no. And now they, they feel that your authority has been somewhat mm -hmm. undermined by your own behavior. So it is a definitely tricky thing to navigate. Mm -hmm. But I, I firmly believe that a, a genuine approach, again, not not being honest about everything, but being genuine about it. I think mm. makes a big difference. Yeah, I think you're right that that feeling that you are being genuine and that you are telling them your experience when it's age appropriate and when they're asking you so that you can share the mistakes you may have made or why you chose the way you did and how you feel about it now or how you felt about it then so that they're not able to just say, well, you did it, so I will. They right. know a more nuanced story. Well, you Correct. did it and you regretted it. And I know why, or I know the situation it got you in and that you regretted that situation. So I don't want to find myself in that same situation. I think that can be really powerful, um, certainly Correct. coming from from parents or from people who are close to these kids um, yeah. and, and who are speaking about it. All right, so how do you think that dads and men in kids' lives can uniquely get involved with this type of conversation where, as it surrounds drugs and alcohol and sex, can they provide 
do you feel as men and as dads and as uncles or coaches who are men, can they provide an important perspective, a different relationship, different idea because of their role in their in that child's life? Is it is it different? Is it the same? What is your thought on that? I think the first thing is two parents always better than one. And I, I don't, this is not a way of in any way demeaning single parents, mm-hmm. but that when a child has two parents that they can go to, whether those parents are together or not, if they have two parents that they can go to, it's just a lot easier for them, right? That one o'clock call in the middle of the morning and they can think, okay, well, you know, who do I choose versus dad's going to be so angry with me. I don't even know if I can call mom, right? Which is sort of the stereotypical uh, experience, right? Of, Of kids growing up, certainly from, you know, my generation and things of that nature. And so I think that's an important thing to remember. First of all, just, you know, two adults in a child's life or, or more are, is just more important. Like one of the things that we always talk to our kids about was, look, if you don't feel comfortable calling us in a time of emergency, you have aunts and uncles mm-hmm. in the area. Right. Call which, them. Is, which is valid We're that totally it's not just the, it's not just the parents. Like if, it, if you are in a single parent household, that there are aunts, uncles, you know, people who are important in the child's life that can hold the role of, of a mentor or somebody who is a trusted adult. Yeah. And I think that's crucial. And we've been very lucky to have um, my wife's family be very involved. Mm -hmm, And I mm -hmm. think that's made a a big difference, particularly for the kids. Um, I think another, you know, the, the sort of absent of, of stress and tension that sometimes that father figure can uh, unfortunately provide that sort of stereotypical, I think is a, is an issue. Uh, I, I know family where, you know, the, there's a, a whole slew of topics that the father is not comfortable talking about. And it's very alienating for his kids. And it's, it's a really sad situation. He's a good guy, doesn't quite realize this energy that he puts off on these topics. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. think about when this, uh, when one of those kids is in trouble, he's not an option for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another important thing for for dads to think about right like yes you may have very strong opinions about what they should and shouldn't do and you may feel very strongly that if your kids break those rules that they should be punished and that's all well and good but at some point we need to understand that their emotional and physical safety is more important than the rules and and uh, beliefs that we have in terms of what is right and wrong Mm -hmm. and i think that's uh, I think that's a little bit more challenging or tends to be more challenging for men than it does for women. Uh, And I think men who have that awareness will also be able to have a more open relationship with their kids. And I think that's really important. And I think the other thing is that uh, research also talks about how the the health of our relationship with our kids is one of the biggest uh, determinants in terms of how they go about experiencing drugs and alcohol. So mm-hmm. the stronger relationship we have with them, um, whether it's a mom and her children or a dad and his children, that that helps mitigate the chances of them getting more involved with mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Obviously, even 
the best of parents can have kids that that suffer from addiction. Mm -hmm. But the chances are better when the both mom and dad are involved and engaged in their children's lives on a regular basis, but that that sort of holds off any issues with alcohol and, and drug use. And I think that's that's those are the kinds of things that dads can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. So, I mean, obviously, it's good to have different perspectives and, and different ideas, but having a handle on what energy you're putting out there and cultivating a relationship where you can, your children believe that they can come to you, that you're open to having these conversations is, is extremely important, especially with conversations that do get very touchy uh, later on. They carry such emotion uh, when it comes to drugs and alcohol, when it comes to sex, when it comes to body image, or anything that has perhaps touched your child's life or, or your life. I mean, it just becomes monumentally important. So when someone in the family, and this is one of those things that really puts another layer on things, when someone in the family does indeed have a problem with drugs or alcohol, uh, an aunt, an uncle, an you know, older brother, how do we deal with that in the conversation that we need to have with kids on this topic, especially as we're trying to underscore that we, we don't want them to go down that same path and perhaps we are seeing the fallout, or maybe they seem functional, those people um, who are having the addiction, and, and then it becomes very confusing. So how do we deal with that? That's a very tough question, obviously. I think, again, it partly goes back to the uh, developmental stages. So early childhood, you know, we're probably spending more time sort of shielding our kids Mm -hmm. from that experience um trying not to expose them particularly if it's a less than positive if this person isn't functioning very well Mm -hmm. Um, you know we want to make sure our kids aren't affected too much by that but i think as they get older that that's where it becomes that sort of genuine conversation again right where it's like yeah you know aunt jennifer has this problem she is really having a hard time not using drugs. And, uh, you know, when she's okay, she's great and we love her. But when she's in trouble and she's using, these are the kinds of behaviors that she has. This is how it affects us. And not only do we want you to understand that so that you know that that's not necessarily her, that's because of this problem that she has, but also because we don't want you heading down that direction. Mm-hmm. And we want you to be able to see her as, as kind of the, the, one of the reasons not to do it because mm-hmm. we want you to take care of yourself. And I think that's, it, you know, it, it, it's not so much using this family member to make a point, but to sort of point out that this is a, this is a person who is having a problem and we don't want you to experience that same problem mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is a very tough problem. And I know that people who are listening right now who have family members in this situation uh, know how, how frustrating and confusing and alarming this can be for adults, uh, let alone children. Um, and you know, we don't want our kids to go down that same path. And here's somebody that we 
love who is is suffering in this way and perhaps sometimes using and sometimes not and recovering and sometimes not. Um, so it can be confusing. Now we know that parents that are allowing their kids, this is like a I mean, this certainly happens in in this area. I am sure it happens all over the place. But we hear about parents who are allowing their kids to have parties with alcohol in the house. My kids are only eight and nine, so this is not touching me right now. But it certainly is touching my my friends who have older kids and perhaps you too. So these might be thought of as either the cool parents or the parents who simply say, and I've heard this certainly, it's going to happen, I'd rather happen here under my roof. So if your child hears about a party like this, or is invited to a party like this, or is asking you to have a party like this, how do you suggest that parents deal with it? When I was growing up, we had one of my closest friends, her parents were like that. Mm -hmm. They had uh, parties every weekend, and there was alcohol for all of the people in high school. And it was really bizarre. And their belief was, you know, we are, you know, we, they're going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. They're going to drink and smoke and, and whatever. We'd rather they do it at home with us mm -hmm. than somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, there is a sort of logic to that. But even putting aside the fact that you could argue that that's illegal, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, I think it sets such a, a unfortunate precedent for your kids. Mm. Um, and besides also putting them at risk, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, you know, I certainly would never do that. We have, you know, our kids have parties and they invite friends over. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I read this story the other day about whether kids, whether parents feel comfortable even checking on their teenagers at their parties mm -hmm. right so like our party was we were in the living room and the kids were in the basement all mm -hmm. hanging out right it's like do you check on them do you see what they're doing and the answer is of course you do because they're your responsibility and th those parents have trusted their kids to you for this period of time it's our job to make sure nothing is going on mm -hmm. even if that somewhat imposes on their quote unquote sense of privacy. Mm -hmm. And I think that applies here as well, right? It's our job to keep our kids safe. I don't think that that is giving them a safe environment to drink or do drugs. I think it's giving them a safe environment to be able to talk about it. And it's giving them the tools and resources they need as in how to deal with those kinds of situations when they're in it. Mm -hmm. Do you want to take a drink? Fine. Then just limit it to one drink or half a drink mm -hmm. or if they're offering drugs like you know say no if you need to get out of there quickly you know how to do that all of those kinds of scenarios i think that is a much uh, healthier way of trying to address this issue because mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is our kids are going to be dealing with difficult situations for the rest of their life mm -hmm. that is the you know quote unquote joys of being a, a human being, right? Mm -hmm. Is we're often in difficult situations that we have to figure out how to navigate. The earlier our kids begin to develop those skills, the stronger they'll be when they enter college, when they enter their first job and they're, you know, a colleague is putting them in an uncomfortable position or a boss is asking them to do something they don't feel comfortable with. How are they going to deal with that? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is kind of how I think about it. It's not just about that we're teaching them skills to deal with drugs and alcohol, but we're teaching them skills to deal with very difficult, challenging, 
sometimes scary situations mm-hmm. and we want them to have those skills for the rest of their life not sort of say okay so don't worry about developing that skill set just get you know we'll just sort of let you drink alcohol here and then everything will be okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay how do you deal then with the added layer of medical marijuana or prescription drugs we know that children hear about this all the time that you know people are using marijuana for medical purposes and we hear like of course people are using painkillers for medical purposes and then there is a risk of course of somebody getting a hold of those types of things or using it in a different way so how do you enter a conversation around that? Um, we hear about around here, we hear that people are selling, you know, ADHD drugs, for example. So how much can you get for a pill kind of thing? Well, people are using it for medical purposes, but then they're taking that and maybe using it for non-medical purposes to study better, to get better grades, dealing with the pressure of high school or middle school. So what do you say to that? I, I just want to say, Dr. Robin, I really appreciate all these softball questions that you're giving. Yeah. Me. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, that one to me falls under the same series of conversations. So uh, to be completely honest, we have medications in our house, of mm-hmm. course, and we use lock boxes mm. and we just lock everything up because it's not that we don't trust our kids. And we also have a lot of their friends come over. And it's not that we don't trust them, but it's so much safer to have them locked up mm, mm-hmm. because we know they're not going to be able to get their hands on it. We know no one else who comes into the house is going to be able to get their hands on it. Mm. To me, that's just like a basic safety thing that uh, I think is, is a good way of, of for parents to not even have to deal with saying no or how to navigate that. Just, you know, put the medicines in a safe spot, lock it up. And only you and your partner have a, the code, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think that's one of those things that we can do at home to kind of stem that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we obviously talk to our kids about those kinds of things. They, you know, there are absolutely, especially when you get to like midterms and finals, mm-hmm. there's absolutely kids just popping pills or sharing pills with each other. Right. right? Not even with malicious intent, no, but just, right. hey, mm-hmm. I, I know this helps for me. Why don't you try it today? Maybe it'll help you feel better. Mm-hmm. And just sort of the education about what is it that you're putting into your body? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. why are you doing it? And is there something else that we can do instead? Mm-hmm. And not that medications are bad, but just we certainly don't want to be taking medications of somebody else that we don't know how it affects us. Medications have all sorts of side effects and issues that we need to deal with Mm -hmm. and they affect each other differently. So just because, you know, their friend has an easy time of it doesn't mean one of our kids will also have an easy time of it. Mm -hmm. And so trying to help them sort of see, it's not just about kind of whether or not it's okay to use drugs, but it's what are we putting into our bodies and and being able to fully understand the effect that that has on us. That's why we go back to the, you know, you're at a party and someone hands you a drink and you're not, you don't really know them. You don't know where it came mm-hmm. from. Don't drink it, mm-hmm. you know, get your own drink just to be on the safe side. It may seem silly, but it's safer, especially mm-hmm. at this age, you yeah. know? So it, that's kind of the way we mm-hmm. try to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Obviously we don't want them to use other people's medication and things right. like that, but really focusing more on, 
you know, what do you put into your body and, and knowing what you put in there and being careful about that. Right. And that people are using things for their own medical issues. And you are also probably, you know, using something for your own medical issues. And right. I really like that the point you're making that you don't know how that's going to affect other people. For example, an ADHD drug we know can affect somebody's heart who doesn't, you know, know that they may have a heart issue. Well, if you're giving that drug to a friend of yours and then something happens, then, you know, then you're to, you're, you're, you're to blame for that. Right. But you didn't mean to do it, but you can, you can cause damage. And, and so helping them to understand that I think kids are so, they're so savvy and they're also, they really want to know. They want to be part of this conversation so that they can make informed decisions. My kids love information. If they could have the information and can say why something's not good for them or you know why something is okay for them and not for somebody else, they're happy to have that information. So right. I think that's important. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions out there like, you know, everybody experiments with drugs or, well, let me put that a different way, everybody, <laughs> everybody <laughs> experiments with drugs or alcohol is just something you do at parties or even uh, now e-cigarettes aren't as harmful as regular ones. People have thoughts all, all the time. So how do you take on the misconceptions that often are thrown around in the teenage years so that they know your values, but you don't seem like you're trying to cramp their social life at the same time. I think you actually just hit on it. And I think it's education mm-hmm. and information. I, I, you know, we, there's a, we cannot give our children enough information, right? There's so many things that they need to understand and there's so much that they want to understand. And I think you've really hit that on the head I and mean, they, they have a thirst for knowledge and understanding. They want to, they're, they're building their own brains essentially. Right. And they're just, uh, absorbing so much information that we're sharing with them and i think for us to be able to again emphasize what our values are but also help them understand like sure maybe everybody is using drugs but what does that really mean and how does that impact you and what are you going to get out of that Mm -hmm. and what's the cost Mm -hmm. right i mean let's let's have a real conversation about risks and benefits Mm -hmm. what does that mean for you what what kind of impact could it have what are some of the consequences mm-hmm. and just kind of walking through that with them and sharing some of our experiences if that's pertinent of course and making it personal for them but i to me i think again not in a lecture mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. right not in a standing in front of a chalkboard <laughs> educating them about what's right and wrong but but having a sit down together and and sharing that information and sharing the beliefs that we have really does help them make uh, good decisions. Mm-hmm. So since you love my question so much, and I'll, I will say, <laughs> and I will say that people tell me that I ask different questions and it's good because they do interviews all the time and they're like, this is, was really oh, yeah. interesting. I get, after the interview, is is, people say this, <laughs> they always say the same types of things. Like, I, this is so interesting. So I'm just going to challenge you and ask you point blank. Your child comes to you and says, everyone is trying blank, right? This weekend. Like everybody is doing this, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is. Now, what do you say or do in that situation? Point blank. Uh, I guess I'll try not to laugh. 
because that would be bad. That would be bad. I said that. Um, You know, for me, it's really simple as what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Are you telling what? Why are you telling me? Mm -hmm. Is this your way of saying everybody's trying it? I want to try it. Mm-hmm. And so, so what does that mm-hmm. what does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. And let's walk through that experience. Mm-hmm. I'm going to reiterate: I don't want them to try it. It's certainly not at this age. Mm-hmm. But I also understand I can't really prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the fact that they came to me and at least said it. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean most of the time teenagers do not announce to their parents beforehand that they're going to try a drug, Mm -hmm. right? It happens. And if we're lucky, they tell us afterwards. So to me, I would, you know, try to remember personally that this is a sign that we've done something good, that Mm -hmm. they're being open and honest with us and that, and then have a real conversation about, okay, so are you saying that you want to use this drug? Mm Mm-hmm do you have questions about it? Do you understand what some of the side effects might be? And just walking through that process and seeing if there's, if they're really bringing it up because they want to do it mm-hmm. and are essentially getting permission or if they're bringing it up because they want to do it, but they're not sure. And having a conversation with me about that and, and would help them sort of see what their options really are. And what I appreciate there is that you're reading between the lines, because I think that is how a lot of conversations happen, that they're not coming to you and saying, I'm planning on doing this. I'm planning on having sex this week. Right. I'm planning right. on I'm planning on trying drugs. I'm going to a party. There's going to be alcohol and I'm going to do it. What they are saying is there was alcohol there. Um, everybody is trying such and such. I've heard everybody is doing this. And then you have to read between the lines. Are you telling me that you've done this? Are you, right. you know, are you telling me you want to do this? Are you telling me you're thinking about this? Um, are you going, you know, are you going, have you been attending these parties and this has been what's happening? Because it's, because our kids are trying to come to us and broach a topic. And it happens even when they're younger, right? That, Everybody was eating these cookies you told us not to eat. Are you telling me you ate the cookies? <laughs> because, right. right? So it is It is a way for them to kind of test the waters. Because as soon as you launch into, well, I don't want you be, to do that, and case is closed, you're done, right? The right. conversation like, shut is down shut down. It's over, Absolutely. right? Like, everybody's having sex. Well, I don't want you to have sex. Done. Um and so when you get more nuanced and you're asking those questions of really, why are you telling me this so that we can have an informed conversation? You're not in trouble. Like, yeah, I'm really glad you're coming to me about this. What do you think about this? So that you can open up a conversation, give them the information that they need to make an informed choice without that you having a complete and utter freakout session, which of course can happen. Um, that that is the way that you deal with these really challenging situations. And just to underscore that we don't need to be the one who has all the information. Because if you have an tried that drug or I haven't tried that drug or we don't drink that doesn't mean we, we, we might not have the information of all of you know how it would affect us personally but we have the ability to engage in a conversation so that our children can come up with answers and feel comfortable going to that party or choosing not to go to that party at, at all and I think you know 
we think about this a lot more when our kids are younger, toddlers, elementary mm-hmm. school, but the phrase teachable moments, mm-hmm. right? We, we always think about that and like, oh, this is a teachable moment. We can talk to them about the safety of crossing the street or, you know, whatever it happens to be. But like, those teachable moments don't stop when they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. They're less clear, maybe, but those moments still happen and it's our job to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. And whether that is because we're watching, uh, you know, because you can obviously watch a heck of a lot more uh, risque stuff, so to speak, when they're teenagers in terms of TV and movies. So a lot of topics come up there. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Uh, frequently, it will be something like, oh, we were at this party and a lot of people were drinking. Right. And it's like, oh, OK. So what was that like for you? Right. How right. did you feel? And, you know, did you try something yourself? But doing it in a, like, so how did you feel? Like, what was that like? You know, right? Like, it, it tone of voice is so valuable in those moments. What does that mean? You were doing right. it? I don't want That's you right. at that party. Your friends are horrible people. Done. <laughs> right. Pulling out the megaphone. And, like, Whose um, idea was this? <laughs> why did we even have kids in the first place? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, you know, I, I think that the, those teachable moments still happen with teenagers. They're just a, a little, they're a little bit more, you have to be a little bit more uh, read between the lines. And, yes. and but I, I think they're still there and I think they're just as valuable. And, you know, if they're raising the subject with us, more likely than not, they want to talk to us about it. Yes. And to really, otherwise they in. wouldn't do it. Yes. You know? There's clue into that and, and go with it. So tell us what is your, top tip when it comes to making sure our children have the information they need on alcohol and drugs and having these important conversations, what would you say is your top takeaway for parents or educators or coaches who are listening to this uh, discussion today? I think for parents, especially the top tip is time. And, you know, one of the things that we love in our family is we try to have Uh, dinner together Mm -hmm. as many times a week as possible Mm -hmm. and it's a great way we don't watch tv Mm -hmm. we sit at the dinner table we talk about our days but the way that conversations happen organically is incredible Mm -hmm. and because we've been doing it for so long our kids are very used to okay let me tell you about my day this is the cool stuff that happened Mm -hmm. and and i think that that just creates this sort of ongoing platform Mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, so, you know, this person came to school high today. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, okay, mm-hmm. let's let's unpack that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you know what was happening? How are they doing? What's their family life like? Like exploring all of that with them mm-hmm. because this they know that, that dinner time is a, a safe place to talk about things. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it doesn't have to be just dinner time, but because we've set aside that time, it's easy to just – return to it and go, oh, okay, I'm going to talk about that at dinner today, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's that time. It's just having these regular check-ins and hanging out with our kids and talking to them about what's going on in their lives, giving them as many chances as possible to share the things that are going on, even the things or especially the things that that they're not as comfortable with or that they are concerned about, Mm -hmm. but maybe don't know how to bring it up with us. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mm-hmm. what I, you know, it's particularly to parents. It's it's allowing that the opportunities of time so that they can share what's going on with them and to not be afraid to ask questions.
questions in a, you know, a caring, concerned way instead of like an interrogation like way. Good point. Yes, we don't want to do that. So it sounds like it's having the ample, consistent time plus a safe, warm, receptive environment equals having the key conversations that really matter in yeah. our in our lives and, and, and sometimes putting our own emotions in check oh, which is right? hard like, it's difficult. Right. i mean i hear one of their classmates going to school high and i'm freaking out yeah right but i can't freak out in front of them i can say i can say that i'm i'm stunned by that or right. something but i can't freak out because if i freak out they'll never talk to me about that right. again you know right. and i that's the last thing i want so exactly. sort of understanding how to keep ourselves calm and more zen like right. <laughs> in those moments which is of course not at all easy no gosh especially during those teenage years <laughs> when these conversations right. are so the stakes feel really high, really high. Yeah, yeah they yeah. feel really high because it's almost impossible not to say to yourself well, if this person's coming to school high and my child knows them or is, you know, with them or is right. friends with, you know, could could that happen to my child? Or you kind of picture your child in that situation or being with that other person at a party. And you, it's hard not to kind of roll it all into one and, and have a little freak out session right there at the dinner table. So, yes, making sure you take a deep breath and and really, you know, listen to what your child is saying. That's a that's that time where you you actually need to say little and listen more, um, yeah. so that they can get everything out. And of course, asking asking questions that that don't feel like it's an interrogation. I appreciated that too. So tell me, what's the resource of the week? Where can people go to get more information about you or your book or any of the things that you're doing? Well. Uh, just this past week, I updated my website, mm-hmm. so it's all new and fresh and hopefully looking pretty. Awesome. It's at net. So my name is Jeremy G. Schneider, mm-hmm. so it's jgs.net. And uh, you can go there, find out about my book, about other things I do. Uh, also, if you want, you could go there. Uh, I have a new free ebook out. Uh, it's focusing on the early years. So like when my kids were three and four years old, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's free for your listeners so they can come to the site and, uh, get access to the book for free. Excellent. Well, thank you for that. And that's good for our listeners. I want to thank you so much, Jeremy Schneider. I am just, this was great. I'm so glad. Thank you for dealing with my crazy questions, but (laughs) you know, we want to get into the the meat of the matter. uh, These podcasts have to be more than what people can just Google themselves. It has to be really getting to the crux of the matter and and answering the tough questions, because that's what people really need to know. Anybody can yeah. Google how to talk to kids about, you know, drugs and alcohol and get, you know, these really benign, you know, uh, cookie cutter type things of information. But that's not what we do here on how to talk to kids about anything. No. Okay. Well, thank you so very much for being on the show. And Thank you very much. I'm I'm just really glad that we were able to have this conversation. We haven't had this conversation about drugs and alcohol yet. So I, I just appreciate you coming in and giving us some tips and takeaways. It was my pleasure.
Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook, go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page, or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I'm also on Instagram at drrobinsilverman, and I'll be going back and forth with Jeremy as well. We'll be talking about all of these great ideas uh, and talking about our tips. You know I create these memes so that people can share them. And I know for those of you who've been listening in who who are waiting to have this conversation or have had this conversation, or maybe your family does have some of these issues going on in your families, that this is really helpful. And you may love to share some of these memes right up there on your pages. So please share away. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn about the solutions, learn about the tips, learn about the takeaways so that they can use them in their own homes. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts up there. The show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. Perhaps you're thinking to yourself, I had that conversation about drugs and alcohol, and as soon as my child came in, I shut them down and I said, don't do it. And I now know that I need to have a little bit more nuanced information. Go back. Don't worry. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you. I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you're 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.